We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com. They're the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS, that's R-O-T-O-H-O-O-P-S. When you deposit on DraftKings, that'll get you a free contest entry today. Also, uh, DJ Trainer, who I'm joined by today, Rotowire will be running its own Rotowire Championship competition for the remainder of the NFL season. Obviously, this is the... NBA podcast. You didn't tune into the wrong one, uh, but we want to get the word out about this as well on all of our podcasts. Qualifiers are going to run uh, for the next three weeks, so weeks 14, 15, and 16 of the NFL regular season. And then that championship, of course, will be in week 17. So the top 31 players from the three qualifying weeks will all punch their tickets to that week 17 championship round. 
We'll be posting the link to this contest on the site, uh, and we'll make sure to get out on Twitter and Facebook as well. So if you're interested in that, be sure to sign up. should be a lot of fun. I enjoy playing in these kind of smaller contests where, you know, one, you know a lot of people in it, and especially you know for us, a lot of the Rotowire guys, I'm sure, will sign up. Um, and two, you just you just have a better chance to win money because the pool is so much smaller. Yeah, no, that's definitely the case. It doesn't matter what sport you're in. I love those like head to head like fifty dollar competitions. I don't know if you ventured into those, Nick, but Not quite um, yet. I your best chance of winning is just going up against one other person and doing a fifty fifty. And so uh, this is as close as we're ever going to get as, in terms of involving a whole community of Rotowire peeps and people who listen to Rotowire folks. Yeah, we've done some of these in the past. Uh, I know for the baseball season, uh, there, there was kind of a running uh, competition going, and that was a lot of fun. So hopefully we'll be able to get something similar going uh, as the NFL regular season winds down. But again, this is the Road to Wire Basketball Podcast, so we're going to talk basketball. And it is Tuesday, December 8th. I'm here with DJ trainer Nick Whalen, uh, as we always are on Tuesdays. Just a reminder before we get into the big news of the day and start breaking down some of the games from Monday night, the podcast and all of our Rotowire podcasts are available on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, they're also uh, being posted on the Rotowire blog for easy access there. You can download directly uh, and put the MP3 files or whatever format you want, I guess, uh, on your device so you don't have to be on Wi-Fi. So a lot of ways to listen to the podcast, but enough about that. DJ, the first thing I want to touch on uh, before we start getting into the games, Jerry Colangelo named the chairman of basketball operations by the Philadelphia 76ers. Adam Silver uh, was asked about this yesterday. Obviously, this is kind of the big off-the-court news uh, in the NBA. And Adam Silver was apparently, quote, instrumental in forming the partnership between Colangelo. He's the former owner of the Suns, the head of uh, basically head of everything for USA Basketball. Um, and basically what, what the reports coming out of the story are saying that Adam Silver was you know, kind of part of bringing these two sides together. And it sounds like to me, uh, and, and this is sourced in some reports as well, that uh, owners around the league, I guess, were not thrilled with how the Sixers rebuilding project is going, specifically how it's affecting revenue. And the 76ers come to town, ticket prices go down, uh, you know, just general revenue sharing overall, how that works in the league. Philadelphia you know, is one of the five biggest cities in the U.S. population-wise, so a team that you know, usually pulls its weight as far as attendance and revenue and, and how that spreads out around the league. With the Sixers' revenue so down, that affects everybody. Right. And so somebody like Jerry Colangelo, we've all been practicing our pronunciation of that, Colangelo, um, coming into a system, you know, he's somebody who's somewhat outside of the NBA, but probably has the best knowledge of the NBA out there because USA Basketball are strictly really dealing with NBA players besides the one college player they usually tack on to general rosters. And you wonder if this is a tipping point where we're done with the rebuilding strategy, where you know owners are, are fed up with it. Um, it hasn't really worked out, unfortunately. We've mentioned before, teams like the Lakers have actually done a better job of tanking and acquiring assets than the Sixers have. Maybe a couple different picks over the last few years, and we would say differently. But either way, I think this is a tipping point. However, um, Hinky is still going to be around. You're still going to have Brett Brown around. Uh, reports are that they're restructuring his contract or figuring out a new contract. So it's still the same players. One thing that's interesting, uh, our buddy Jared Greenberg um, said on his SiriusXM show today, is he thinks that, um, I think, is it Hinky doesn't actually report to Colangelo. He, he still reports to Harris or something like that. And so he, off the bat, he thinks that Colangelo and uh, Hinky are going to be at odds 
because it'll be like two guys with similar powers that don't report to each other and are fighting against each other. So that's something to look out for. Right. It's kind of a, it's somewhat of a Phil Jackson situation here. I think Phil Jackson maybe has a little bit more say initially off the bat in the New York organization than Colangelo is going to in the, with the Sixers. But how do you really go against what this guy says? You know, it, inevitably tensions are gonna are gonna rise between those two, and it, and it is an odd an odd pairing. You know, you're bringing this guy in as basically an advisor, you know, chairman of basketball, yeah. whatever kind of whatever kind of empty title you want to give it. The reason he's there basically is to be an oversight, and it almost seems like he was like assigned there by the by the commissioner or by the rest of the league. And, and obviously, the 76ers had to agree to this. It's not like Colangelo was forced on them. But it almost seems like he's there to kind of babysit Hinky and like make sure that things don't get too too bad. And I think basically what they want him there for is if they're going to keep up this process, and you know they really don't have a choice right now. They have one win. Uh, you know they're headed for the the top of the lottery again. They just basically bring him in as a as somebody to help with that draft process, right? To make sure that they end up with the best asset possible because we've seen the strategy has gotten them to the top or near the top of the draft over the last few years, but they've really they've kind of come away empty as far as getting a big big time asset. And they have they have a few guys. You know, Nerlens Noel is a nice piece. Jill Okafor nice is a nice piece. piece. Is a, like we're over exaggerating a nice like how much of a nice well, you know, can I acquire think... somebody exactly like Nerlens Noel, like an Ed Davis type or something. Right, like but it's that. Not you like just they... trade for him for like two million dollars. Right, but a it's year. also not like they've drafted three Joel Embiid's. You know, I That's mean they true. have they have a couple like one piece in Embiid is a, a huge, huge, huge question mark at this point. Who knows if he's even going to play an NBA game? The other two guys are actual assets. They're physical assets. In you know, in, in Noel and Okafor, they had Carter Williams. Ended up flipping him and getting another pick. So basically, I think Colangelo is here just to make sure that they don't, you know, they they maximize what they can get with these remaining picks in the next couple of years, as long as this quote unquote process, you know, is lasting. Yeah, don't get me wrong, Nick, because I've I've been there right with you, saying that Noel is a piece, Okafor is a piece, Embiid could be a piece, and then but and then I I've I've kind of retracted that train of thought. That's three of fifteen players on your team that we think, okay, that works. You can go and they acquire, all happen to play the same position. Yeah, they all play the same position, and so you could just go acquire three guys that right now are, give you the exact same type of production, give give you the exact same ability to win out on the waiver wire if you decide to spend some money. And so when we're talking uh, about pieces, like it's it's just like three out of fifteen, Nick. Like you just yeah. go do that in the off season, and basically they've wasted the past three years acquiring three type of players that you could have had just spending a couple more million dollars a year and so at some point we have to realize that um this is this is not working out we all kind of gave it some time but it's just you know bad decisions were made along the way it it hasn't worked out doesn't mean it can't work out in the future if they get ben simmons maybe everything turns around that's the thing is you get one guy and you know the fortunes can change overnight real quick Hasn't the whole strategy been all along where you get maybe three, four, five guys, and then when the time is right, you attack the free agent mark or you or the market? And so there was never like no free agency going to be involved in this plan. You still have to go out and get guys like Lou Williams on the waiver right. wire to be your sixth man or Those something like that. Those type of guys, yeah. I, I think they want to follow more the OKC mold where you do everything in-house. You draft James Harden, you draft Serge Ibaka, you draft Russell Westbrook, you draft Kevin Durant. None of those guys were free agency pickups at all. And then you build the rest of your roster you know like Lou Williams is a great example you know you pick out you know maybe guy if you're ranking your roster in terms of value maybe your fifth seventh eighth ninth and tenth best players are all acquired via free agency you know you're not you're not just picking up these second round picks and throwing them in to the fire as they're doing right now but I do disagree that you you can't just go and pick up 
Jalil Fours and and Nerlens Noel's on the on the you know as free agents. You can pick up similar caliber players, but you can't do it on cheap rookie deals, and you can't get those guys at the ages that they're at right now. You can get guys who are just as good, but you're not going to get them at that value. Okay, what about people like Noah Vonley who have been traded around? Like, is he is uh, he like considered Nick- just as good as those guys? I don't think so. I I'm just saying that the pieces that we talk about aren't like they aren't amazing pieces like pieces that, I don't know it's just like you're Ed, like acquiring Ed Davis Roy Hibbert is is basically the same type of thing for me I know that those guys their their contracts are way more inflated than what you have now but I, I when we talk about them having three solid pieces you have to remember it's three out of fifteen. Right, but they're also not really trying to. It's like they could go get, they could go sign those guys if they want. It's not like they don't have the cap room. They just choose not to because they don't want to because they want to lose basketball games. You know, like it's. I don't, I don't think it's like they completely drop the ball and they only have three assets. Like they could have more assets if they if they wanted them. Yeah, I and we can move on, I guess, and actually talk about some of the right, games yeah, last night and whatnot because. I mean, everybody, it's the hottest debated thing right now. That and Kobe, which I don't want to get into. I get too red in the we'll face. We'll talk Kobe in a little bit. He finally yeah. shot 50% from the field, which I, I was a little disappointed. <laughs> I thought that was that streak was going to last a little longer. Uh, but he hasn't gotten over 50%, so maybe we'll switch it to that. Uh, but we'll start in Milwaukee. All the games are nine games last night, and they all started you know, talking central time at either 6, 6.30, or 7, which I'm not a big fan of because the Bucks game wraps up at, at like 8.39. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to watch the rest of the night? Luckily, Fargo was on. Uh, but you know, if it wasn't a Monday, I would have been lost. Uh, yeah, I watched the replay of the Bucks game because I like purposefully didn't watch it. Watched the replay of it later on on Fox because we're living move. in Wisconsin and just I just pretended like it was a late game and it finished up at like one thirty or well, something. They're playing like a West that. Coast team and I got the little little late game feel. Yeah, no, I don't like it at all. I like it spread out. Me and you have talked many times. We love to flip on the TV, snuggle in at like eleven p.m. at night and watch Portland jack up shots. Yeah, and that is exactly what they did last night, Bucks defended really really well for a lot of this game uh at least on paper and you know you watch I watched this game live and there were definitely you know your your usual breakdowns OJ Mayo getting beat back door lack of help <laughs> in certain situations but I mean mostly it, Portland just missed so many open threes in this game I mean you look at McCollum two of 11 from three Lillard three of eight um Myers Leonard O of six and 24 percent as right. a team. And part of that credit does go to the Bucks. I mean, they they closed out fairly well, but it wasn't like Portland was just going one on one and jacking these up. I mean, they were getting good looks and they just weren't falling. And you look at the halftime score. I mean, Portland had 33 points uh, in the first half, 29 in the third quarter alone. They ended up going up in this one late in the fourth quarter. Um, trying to find the exact. Uh, part in the game where this happened they Damian, went up four or five points right, they were in the last four. couple minutes yeah right so so Milwaukee's down uh 80 to 84 with just over a minute left Giannis gets to the line brings them within two and then they start playing the foul game and McCollum hits a pair Lillard hits a pair so it's basically going from a two-point game to a four-point game um so Lillard hits two with 22 seconds left to put the Blazers up 88 84 Bucks run a play for OJ Mayo. He hits a, a contested three uh, over Myers Leonard. Double screen with Monroe. Yeah, it was a very really nice play. play. Yep, yeah. kind of uh, yep, bringing him around the perimeter onto the wing. So Mayo hits that to bring the Bucks within one. Obviously, Portland calls a timeout, and they inbound. And Michael Carter Williams runs over. CJ McCollum gets the ball near the sideline and, and kind of pivots right into Carter Williams, who just textbook grabbed the ball, draw a jump ball. There really wasn't any question. I mean, obviously Portland was contesting it, but. I mean, I think I think McCollum knew. You know, you, you could see him looking up at the jumbotron, and it was about as clean of a jump ball as you're going to see in that situation. So, 
MCW 6'6 against McCollum 6'3. No contest. Carter Williams easily won the jump. Uh, they go right down. I, I, Carter Williams got the ball right away, and I'm just like, oh, give it to Giannis. Do it like anybody else. <laughs> but high screen uh, by Greg Monroe. Monroe slips left uh, to the basket, and Carter Williams just fired in a bullet pass, too, and that was close. I mean, whoever – I forget who was defending Monroe, but it was, you know, fingertips away from tipping it, it away. It was Aminu. Oh. I think it was Alfaroka Aminu. Right. I'm pretty sure. I know. When I saw when I saw Carter Williams start to drive, I was like, oh, no, and then I just go, Whoa. Nice pass. Right, yeah. It was, a, it was a great pass in retrospect. And Monroe, I mean, it was a tough finish, too. A quick catch and finish. He was mm-hmm. kind of already a little bit under the basket. It barely, and, it barely even right, went in. It, it, it hung in. on the rim for a little while. It did, yeah. So Portland, get, you know, uh, teams always have timeouts in these situations. Like, just always. Portland had, like, three timeouts left with, like, 40 seconds, of course. I'm in favor of less timeouts in yes. the NBA. College basketball took one away this year, and that was such a great rule. Yeah, um, yeah I think fewer timeouts overall would be would be great. But, you know, the, the Bucks are aggressively trying to keep the ball away from Lillard and McCollum. They kind of lose Myers Leonard for a second, and, and Portland's able to inbound directly to him just inside the free throw line. Looked like he was going to have a nice look. Henson comes off and, and just blocks him right at the point. Straight block. I mean, just a really, really nice block. You've probably seen it you know, on Twitter at this point. But, yeah, and, and there was like three seconds left after the block, and like Henson's grabbing the ball, and like Leonard just kind of walked away. Like Nobody came to foul them. Like They easily could have fouled with over a second left. It ended up um, being 0. 0.6 well, seconds. Right. They, just not enough time to do anything. It, ba- it essentially ended. I hate where like this arena is going crazy. The Bucks are acting like they just won the national title. Yeah. Um, and then you know every, the, the Blazers had walked halfway to the locker room before they called him back for Carter Williams to shoot two free throws with 0. 0.6 on the clock, and he missed a second. And Portland didn't even have a chance to get a shot off. So you, you know what's the best slash saddest thing about those camera angles when you have the cameras on the floor and they're kind of projected up catching big tall guys is that you look at the upper deck and you realize there's absolutely nobody in the upper deck whatsoever the camera angles for for bradley center is are very deceiving in that like you probably know there's not a lot of people there but when you see those camera angles you realize that there are nobody there like marquette basketball marquette university plays there and they routinely get a better crowd than the bucks do it's incredibly sad um, even though this team is super fun to watch, I've you know me, you, me and Nick, we've both been to a couple of games and it's it's fun. But uh, anyway, what about the box score of this game? Really even for the Bucks, no surprises there. Trailblazers, your two leading scorers are Lillard and McCollum. It's just run of the mill. Bucks are pretty steady across the board. Trailblazers are top end heavy. Yeah, and we didn't see Monroe and Henson. Uh, I don't think they were on the court together at all. I think they've only played something like seven minutes yeah. together all season. Uh, but both of them playing really well, kind of doing doing what they do well and, and not really getting out of that comfort zone, which is, is good and bad. You know, when you look at it from Monroe's perspective, you'd obviously like him to be better defensively, but he gives you 16 and 12 with three assists, no blocks, no steals. Henson comes off the bench, 21 minutes, eight points, seven rebounds, an assist, and four blocks. And, you know, huge defensive plays that you just don't get from Monroe when he's on the court. I'm not in any of these leagues, but if I was like a per minute production league, like Henson is your man. Like you look at his per 36 numbers and he, over the course of his career, he's been amazing. And he's one of those guys that if he ever starts seeing 30, 30 minutes a game, he, he's going to be one of the best front court options in the entire league because he helps out with blocks and steals. And of course he can get rebounds and points at a high field goal percentage. And so, um, 
if he were ever to get major minutes, and I've said this, I, how long has he been in the league? Like four years already? Um, he is an incredible option, but unfortunately he just never sees more than 24 minutes a game. It just doesn't happen. Like you said, Monroe is going to spend the majority of time on the court, and they just don't, Jason Kidd doesn't play them together whatsoever. So Henson no. will forever be an amazing per-minute wonder, um, but that absolutely means nothing if he's not seeing enough time on the court. Yeah, I mean, from from a fantasy perspective, that's, that's certainly true. But I did like, you know, obviously they put him back in on that last possession. Um, you know, he they're basically doing offense-defense down the stretch with Henson and Monroe, which is exactly how you should play it. Um, and if Monroe's on the court, he doesn't block that shot. I mean, Leonard Leonard's a guy who can get up, and, and, and you can see even, even Henson with his wingspan just caught it with, you know, the tips of his fingers, basically, and that was enough. So There's think, only one other guy in the league that could really block that shot, and it's Rudy Gobert. I don't think anybody uh, else could have even— I don't know, Whiteside— any of those type of guys, Dwight, a couple, but I mean, yeah, only I mean, your lankiest, centers, only right. your lankiest of players, Leonard. I mean, Leonard released it at the top right. of his. I don't think he thought Henson was going to get there. The way he released it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, wasn't like an oh crap, he's about to get well, right. He didn't put much. He didn't put any more loft on it than he. You know, he could have had it. Had he, I think he. It would have been a really high shot. That he thought he could just. You know, I mean, he's a seven footer himself. I don't think he thought he had to compensate at all. Uh, not but, a guy that takes a lot of last second shots. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, the Bucks. We, we were just talking before the podcast. Schedule's not great for the rest of December. They go Clippers tomorrow. That, this is going to be the debut of the alternate court, the alternate black jerseys as well. Uh, then they go Raptors, Warriors, Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, Suns. Um, and, and that doesn't. Even, there's a two game road trip at the end of December that I'm not factoring in as well. But the schedule is not ideal for, for them. And you know, on the Bucksketball pod last week, we went through and we, we, I think we decided that if they come out of December at like 5 and 10, it would be like a huge win because of who, they've, who they have on the schedule. But, I mean, this next slate coming up is going to be huge. Clippers twice, Warriors twice. If you get one of those four, I think you're thrilled, right? They're in 13th place in the Eastern Conference, Nick, and it's not really going to be any better at the end of this road trip. We're looking at a team that will be lucky at this point to get the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. The Celtics are sitting at 20, 12 and 9, Bucks at 9 and 13. They're already in a mini hole, and this road trip certainly won't help if they get hot at the end of the year and maybe other teams are going on that West Coast swing, the dreaded West Coast swing. Like the Pistons have already done it. They're done with it. And so, um, you know, I guess you would rather get this done and over with now and then when you catch fire, start catching fire at home and, and make your way into the playoffs. So if the Bucks have one thing going for them, it's that they're getting it over in this first quarter of the season. Or I guess we just fi- finished the first quarter point. Well, the problem is they had the easiest schedule in the league for the first basically month and that that's kind of the that's you know you look at this tough December schedule and that's kind of what offsets it is uh, is how how soft their schedule was for the first few weeks of the year and that's where they really failed to take advantage I think and you, you know we looked at that before the year at, at Bucksketball and we're like you know this is they need to come out of this stretch ahead because you look at what's coming in December and they basically did the opposite of that uh, but also you know if you look at the Bucks last year this is when they kind of turned it on they, they had another they had a tough December in 2014 uh, schedule wise and, and ended up coming out of it okay and you know, they certainly didn't run the table by any means but a couple wins over the Hawks and the Clippers and you know teams they probably shouldn't have beaten so we've already seen them take down Cleveland once this year uh, albeit in double overtime at home but this is a team that you know you, you watch that Spurs game last week and they get absolutely blown out of the water from from the first minute of the game and I think they have that potential against teams like the Clippers and the and the Warriors, but I also think they they can play with these teams to the point where 
you know, you're not going to get blown out four times. Probably both times by Golden State. I don't think I don't have great feelings about that, but I think they yeah. could. If there's a chance they steal one of those, I think they can. They can maybe take one from the Clippers. Um, but I mean, we're getting way too hypothetical at this point. Hornets 104. Yeah, we just spent 15 minutes talking about a team that's not even going to make the playoffs. No, no, they're not making the playoffs. <laughs> I hope they do, because I, I want to go to playoff games. It's the closest we'll possible game to me. Anyway, yeah, let's let's move it along. Hornets 104, Pistons 84. Detroit got down early in this one, never really recovered. They were down double digits at the half. Big reason for that, Andre Drummond in foul trouble, played just 24 minutes at 5 fouls in that time Cody Zeller baby 18 points for drum oh, excuse me 18 combined points and rebounds so nine points and nine rebounds 18 is by far his season low uh, as far as combining points and rebounds his only game of the season in which he's had under 20 combined points and rebounds yeah that makes sense I mean he didn't get a double double was it the first time that he's hasn't gotten at least 10 rebounds in a game I'll look it up really quickly but I, I think there were there was one other one okay uh there were there were a couple that were like fairly close but I mean this guy's almost you know he's had more more games of 40 combined rebounds and points than he has uh of 20 or fewer so yeah I mean he had a 15 and 7 game that was his previous uh you know quote-unquote worst game of the year and that came just at, terrible that came just at OKC so bad yeah he only has two games nine and his and his rebound toes were nine and seven which is both above league average. right if that's if your horrible off day is, is nine rebounds I think you'll take it um, uh, but the reason why Cody Zeller was playing some D out there 28 minutes 20 points six rebounds one assist his over under was plus 20 and if you look at you know it was by far the most out of anybody on the entire court for this game yeah, I mean, single game plus minus, you kind of take with a grain of salt. But yeah, I mean, an impressive one going up considering the matchup against Drummond. Right. That's And the thing is that if I was, I didn't actually play daily last night because I just didn't have enough time. But if I would have, I would have went Drummond hard going up against a front court of Marvin Williams and Cody Zeller. And it turned out that Zeller really turned out a good game. I, like you said, to take it with a grain of salt. But if you're looking at the tail of the tape, I think you say that Zeller might have earned himself a spot in the starting lineup for as long as Al Jefferson is out. Yeah, I mean, you look at the other options, Spencer Hawes, Frank Kaminsky, I don't think either of those inspire a lot of hope. So I think it's certainly going to be Zeller's spot to lose. Um, and you know, as long as Charlotte keeps playing well, I don't think they'll have any problem with that decision. Looking at Detroit, Ursan Ilyasova, 15 points, 13 rebounds. Struggled from the field, though. He was just 4 of 14, 3 of 10 from 3. Marcus Morris, 4 of 11. He continues to take a ton of shots but not make a ton of shots. Uh, which has not really boded super well for Detroit. It's an they, interesting way to go. They pound this starting lineup so hard. These five guys, if you look at like the most used lineups in the league, um, I, I think I looked at three-man units the other day, and they have like three of the top seven or something. Um, you know, KCP is good for like 38 minutes a night. Drummond, obviously, when he's not in foul trouble, he's playing 36, 37. Even Ilyasova and Morris most nights. And this is a team that doesn't have a great bench by any means, especially big guys. You know, Aaron Baines is, is kind of the only one that you love. Anthony Tolliver. Do you love Aaron Baines? Oh, I mean, maybe not love. The only one that you're. I mean, they went out. And, they went out and handpicked him this sure. off season, and you know, I think they. I think they like him considerably more than they like Joel Anthony or Darren Hilliard or you know even Anthony Tolliver, who's pretty versatile. Like, I guy that any team kind of wants just to to be that that three and d guy um but at some point you got to wonder if one this starting five is going to run out of gas a little bit i mean all these guys are playing basically career highs in minutes and that i think that could be or you know you look at how inconsistent they've been i think you can chalk it up maybe a little bit to that 
Yeah, it's certainly possible. But when you get games like this that are somewhat of a blowout, then you really just take off the minutes for them. So we're looking a little more evenly distributed here than it even is on a game that's close. You're going to see some of the bench players, like maybe one or two bench guys, even see double-digit minutes. And so this is actually more distributed than I've seen in quite some time. We've talked about it before, Nick. There's just no way Ilyasova holds up for 82 games of averaging career high well, minutes. His charge, his charge taking is down this year, and I Which think is, that's going to that help. Which hurts you. I think that's, well, it hurts me a ton, yeah. I mean, if you're in a league that, that counts charges, uh, I only play in charge <laughs> leagues. Um, but I, I think he's, you know, that, that that can help as far as the strain on his body. Of course, I'm kidding about that. But, yeah, he's a guy that hasn't been able to stay healthy. So, you know, you figure at some point, um, you know, they're going to have the injury bug might hit them, and, and certainly playing this, this kind of minutes load isn't going to help there. I wanted to ask you, uh, Nick Batum, pretty bad year for him in Portland last year. I think his value was kind of kind of trending down toward the end of the year. He dealt with a few injuries, just just didn't really look like himself throughout that year. But he is firmly back, and I think the the injury to MKG was kind of a blessing in disguise uh, for this team, just because. And Nick Batum is is kind of the opposite of, of MKG in a lot of ways. He's still a good defender. He's not not an MKG level defender, um, but he just brings so so much more offensively. And you look at the the, the vast differences in scoring for this team uh, over last season. They were they were a terrible three point shooting team last year. This year, uh, they're among the top in the league. And Batum's a huge reason for that. I mean, taking six threes a game. MKG was you know a guy who was running out similar minutes to Batum last season, but wouldn't attempt threes whatsoever. They had Gerald Henderson there last year. He didn't take threes either. So I think the Charlotte offense looks you know, light years ahead of where it was last year. But I want to ask you, is Nick Batum an all-star to you? If Charlotte cruises into the all-star break sitting fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, basically in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, and Batum is averaging 17-7-5 you know, with a block and a steal – I think he I think he should sneak in. I don't know if he does, but I think he should. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. He has, it looks like, um, five games of at least 24 points, and he's not necessarily even known as being a scorer. In fantasy terms, he's one of those 1-1-1 one, one, and one guys that you think he can actually help you get um, one three-pointer a game, one steal a game, one block a game. A lot of winning fantasy teams have him on their roster because he helps out in all those categories. And so if you're looking at the East, um, at the shooting guard slot, of course you're going to have Dwayne Wade in there. Like It's just a fact that we have to live with Dwayne Wade. And he, he actually probably deserves it too, I guess. Looking at some other East Coast teams, uh, DeRozan slash Lowry, however you want to break it down. Well, Lowry, Lowry's going to start the All-Star game in Toronto. Yeah, fans, no, fans are voting him, man. There's no question about yeah, that. Yeah, he's going to make it. I mean, Kyle Korver probably isn't going to make it this year. Hawks only get two. Two max, I think, maybe even one. Yeah, and so you're looking at some of the other shooting guards. Bradley Beal maybe will be in the All Star game. I don't think so. Otherwise, yeah, I, I think he should definitely be in the All Star game. Is there anybody else besides the ones I mentioned? Like well, you think Dwayne you, Wade is the only one that I would really think in DeRozan. Well, you got to talk about it in the perspective of the coaches are going to be making this selection. Batum's not going to start the All Star game. I mean, no, your givens no, no. are. I really do think Lowry is a given. I mean, he started the All Star game last year and it wasn't in in his hometown. Right. I mean, Toronto's not his hometown, but whatever, his home playing town. Um, I think the other guard, I think well, LeBron is a given. Uh, I think um, I think Paul Millsap gets in. He probably doesn't start. Drummond at center. Uh, Drummond's, a, Drummond's a given at center. I think James James Anderson, and, and I talked at length about this on the podcast last week, and he thinks Kyrie's going to get in if he just plays his mind off you know, for, for a month and a half. I, I disagree with him on that. You said um, Paul George already, right? Paul George. Derrick yep. Rose is going to get in because no, no ch- 0% chance. What? Dude, what world are you living in? What world are you living in? Chicago hates Derrick Rose. Are you serious? I, I 
<laughs> no, Names no, no, like no. Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade, they are oh, no, they no, just no. get in. Okay, if Derrick Rose doesn't start, which he's not going to, who what coach is going to pick him? Dude, I just, no. do we I will, need to throw a bet put, down right now? Absolutely. I would bet an, a pretty much unlimited money that Derrick Rose is not. What would possibly make him an all-star if he's not fan-voted in? His name is Derrick Rose. We're, no. we're talking about the NBA. What coaches care about that? Do, all right, Dwayne well, Wade I could see because he's actually playing well and, and he's in name. No, Rose wasn't an all-star last year. He's not going to be an all-star this year. Why? No, 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 no. Teague would be over him. Kemba would be over him. DeRozan would be over him. Isaiah Thomas, Reggie Jackson, Beal, Wall. No, I think yeah. <laughs> I no, think no, no. that I'm offended by this. No, I no, I'm offended by it too. I hate it. If you look at the MBV, MVP voting every single year, it's the same list of seven guys over and over and over. Uh, but it's the same with All Star. Like they're just gonna. I don't know. It's just Derrick Rose. He's, as long as he's <laughs> no, playing, dude. he's going to go out so there and be not, a, this is an all-star. This so, so, so not going to no, happen. No, I'm just like, as disgruntled about it as you are, Nick, but I, I'm here for you. But it, his name power puts him in the all-star race. He's not. No, Kobe's going to be an all-star, right? Yeah, because he's retiring. He's going to get, and he's going to get fan voted in. So that doesn't even matter. Like, fans have turned on Derrick Rose. His own team has turned on him. Like, who, what coach would in their right mind pick Derrick Rose? That would be a, that would be a laughable thing to do. Okay. Why why would the league want him in the All-Star game? Because been, he has major deals with Adidas. He's a ama- I mean, he has his own shoe. I no. mean, in terms of marketing, it's it's a prototypical NBA All-Star player. You know this game doesn't count, right? I okay, if they if it was just like this, they wouldn't they wouldn't let the coaches choose and it would be all fan voted. Like Jeremy Lin would be in this game if they cared about selling international shoes. So, who are your point guards? So, you think Kyrie Irving could get in? I don't think I don't think he could get in, but I think I would pick a, if I had to put money on who would get in one of those two. If one of them has to get in, it would, I would pick Kyrie. I would even if Kyrie didn't even play until the All Star. If he <laughs> was not even healthy, I would still pick him over Rose. Okay, let me see. I think I have. Let me pull up my document from last week. I think I still have all my All Star picks in there, so that'll make this a little easier. Okay, Rose has eleven straight games of double digit points. Tell me, what is he shooting over that span? Tell me which of these guys you would take over, or which yeah, which of these guys you would take Derrick Rose over? Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, John Wall, Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, Kemba Walker, Brooke Lopez, Hassan Whiteside. These are all. I'm starting with Lopez. These are guys I don't think make it even. Lopez, Whiteside, Jeff Teague, Al Horford, Reggie Jackson, Giannis. Like no, 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 no chance. I I just, <laughs> I can't believe like I'm just I'm I don't think. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised, I guess, when Derrick Rose comes nowhere near an all-star bid. I think I'm, I'm already in a hole now where I have to commit to it, but I'm still I'm just no, saying— you can still back out. I'm just saying the all-star game isn't for a couple more months, and if he stays on the court and keeps producing at a steady rate, he's going to be more in the discussion than Isaiah Thomas is. It doesn't matter Maybe. what Isaiah Thomas it, puts up. Isaiah Thomas Bulls, is one of the most disrespected NBA players right. over the last five years. If the Bulls like roll into the break and they go on a big run and they roll into the break like— First or second in the East, maybe. I'm just I don't saying, know. Like he's in, wanna... out of all the players you listed, he's going to get the most benefit of the doubt if his numbers are close enough. I don't think they're they're not even close to where they need to be though. Like he's going to have to go insane for like a month, and like like play at like an MVP level for a month, which we haven't seen in like four years. All right, I'm just saying that if he's in the All Star game, we need to bet ten dollars on. He's it. shooting thirty six percent from the field and twenty two percent from three. Like, how could you possibly justify that? How did we start this conversation? We started with Nick Batum and we got to yeah. Derek. Rose. We didn't even talk about Nick Batum. He should be. He wasn't even on my list. He should be in over over Rose. 
Um, but we've, we've certainly digressed a lot. And if you want to hear basically this exact same banter uh, with less Derrick Rose talk, uh, listen, less listen to last Thursday's pod with, with James and I. A lot of all-star talk there. Most importantly, less of me. <laughs> no, I'm just glad that you don't want Rose in. Like, I, I'm no, glad. No, I'm right there with you, Nick. Like, I I hate this type of voting. Like, the fact that Kobe is going to be in the All Star game, I really don't appreciate that whatsoever. Neither, we'll get to the Kobe take another. in a sec. But like, I I think that if I'm picking an All Star team, I would put him on the short list. Or not the short list. Sorry. Like that, I'd put him right there. And yes or no? Like, it's it's pretty close. Unfortunately, it's so not. Um, Let's talk about something Spurs that makes Sixers. you happy. Speaking of uh, not close, yeah. Um, geez, I mean, wow, 119-68. I think you can guess which team won that one. This was pretty much over, uh, I mean, what, four minutes into the game? San Antonio up by double digits after the first quarter. The halftime score was 65-29. to That's one of those that you look on, on your ESPN or your NBA app and you know, refresh it a couple times. Like I, I saw that on my phone and then went on my computer just to make sure that it wasn't like like a misprint, and not that I was that surprised, I guess. But no Tim Duncan and no Kawhi for San Antonio. Lamarcus Aldridge uh, kind of took care of business, twenty six points on eleven of fifteen shooting in twenty two minutes. So he was basically done in the first half. Boban Marjanovic, did you see the highlights of him last night? These were these were all over Twitter during these early games. I mean. He- this guy's insane. Like he might be, he's like rivaling Kristaps for my favorite foreign player all of a sudden. Really? I mean, we're talking. He was matched up with Okafor, palming the ball, faking it behind Okafor's head, and like making him turn around and then stepping back and basically hitting like a one-handed jumper. This guy's seven three, just a complete monster. Biggest ears uh, in the league at least since Popeye Jones, I think. Right? I mean, Alan Crabb actually has some pretty big ears. I noticed that we, last night. Yeah, we talked about that um, at length in the preseason. Right? He was in our yeah our all looks podcast i think hairstyles um, mustaches um yeah no we really shouldn't even spend that much time on this game it's just when did uh san antonio get to the arena because that's when it was over as long as they all safely got to the arena the game was over and this so is such a joke it's of game. yeah it's not if you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective just and it's not even where you say um you know like let's pick some bench players for the spurs to just go off because they're still so evenly distributed it's aldridge had only 26 points and nine rebounds next leading score for the spurs was marjanovic with 18 points and who would have guessed that and so it's not even a scenario with when the spurs face the 76ers where you would say this guy's gonna go off it's just they're gonna get drubbed and they're gonna get evenly drubbed by the whole spurs roster and we should just move on mm-hmm. yeah one final note though for fantasy purposes tony roden his second game back oh, he, right. he made his he made his season debut saturday against denver pick him up 13 minutes played just 14 minutes in this one it's probably going to be maybe a month until he you know finally gets back to where he needs to be but I mean, this is a guy who could arguably be the best at least the best fantasy producer even if he doesn't do it efficiently uh, on this team when he's healthy hands down and I've been saying it all season long he was my premier IR stash if he had an IR stash if he's on the waiver wire right now go get him if you have a spot just leave him sit there for a little while I mean he has the green light uh, go look at his numbers from past years um, he he will be a fantasy wonder if he stays healthy and he's on this specific team he's just going to put up a bunch of shots rebounds assists. everything will be there for you one quick note, I, I tweeted this out yesterday. I just thought it was a cool stat. I, I was writing our note on Kawhi Leonard not playing, and I, I, I don't know why, how I stumbled onto this, but he's, he's played 272 career games. So not, not the Spurs that played that many since he's been there, but he's physically played in that many regular season games. Uh, and per basketball reference, he is the winningest player ever through his first 272 career games, 208-64. and 64. And the cool thing is that we're at the point where we could say, 
a lot of that is because of him now. Like right, over yeah, the it, last couple of seasons. Now you guys I mean, Adam Morrison was probably a very winning player when he was in the NBA too, but that wasn't his thing at all. I don't think so. He was on the Bobcats. Oh, I mean, won like two titles with well, the Lakers. With the La- yeah, I guess yeah. he did go to the Lakers. But yeah, I mean, you look at the rest of like, these names. I don't know who Billy Cunningham is, but he was the previous record holder at 206 and 66. 14th or 15th guy games. on the bench on well, the I mean, team. Yeah, you look at some of the names, and you know, it's a lot of role players. You know, B.J. Armstrong was on those great Bulls teams. You basically come in and, and be one of those guys. Devin Harris is in the top 15 uh, just because Ooh. of some of those, those Mavs teams that he was on. Well, well, it makes sense, Nick, because when the games are blowout, you come into the game, you play – you know what I mean? And if you're if you're a bench player. So it's games that he's played in. Right. Um, and so it makes sense for a lot of these nobodies to be on this list because they only come into the games when they've already won the game, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it can kind of go both ways if you're down big, that's too. True. But, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it obviously skews towards guys uh, you know, who've been playing for good teams. But we'll move on to Wizards and Heat. Wizards 114 Heat 103. This is kind of a bad loss for Miami. I mean, this Wall and Beal, obviously, you know, they do what they do for this Washington team, but no Gortat, no Nene. You're starting uh, Pan Am game superstar Ryan Hollins <laughs> at center. Otto Porter played well in this one. I, I don't know. I just think there's there's really no excuse to get beat, basically, by John Wall and Gary Neal. And Neal had 21 off the bench. So, you know, I mean, this Miami team still kind of figuring things out. Goran Dragic starting to play a lot better. That's encouraging. Dwayne Wade, probably his best game of the year, 26-9-7 and seven on 12 of 15 shootings. So vintage D. Wade. Uh, still no Luol Deng from Miami. Sounds like he'll be back on Wednesday. But Gerald Green got another start. He finished with nine points. Probably going to see a minutes reduction for him as he shifts back to the bench. Probably a, a few fewer minutes for guys like Tyler Johnson and Justice Winslow. Uh, not that they were huge fantasy considerations anyway. Right, and so Gerald Green is a guy I like a lot, but he's just not producing like he has in years past when he was in Phoenix when he saw minutes and he was just you know putting up a lot of points. Hasn't been the case, even though he's seeing a lot of minutes. Winslow isn't quite at the point where he's going to be a massive producer, even though he sees 33 minutes a game. And so um, there's really not much to see here. I, w- I would love to suggest that Green and Winslow would be able to produce, but fortunately we're at the tail end of Green's career and we're we're too early on Winslow. What about the Wizards playing? Tail end of his career. Gerald Green? He's 29. Is he 29? Yeah, he he's came been out of in the league school. forever. Yeah, he's been in the league. He's been out of the league. No, okay. I mean, he's, he's just getting started. Well, he, I think he's, he's, he's just slump. entering his prime right now. He's in a slump. That dude has springs no, in is. his feet, by the way. Yeah, he hasn't. That's the, A lot of guys that are those kind of players, you know, lose that in their mid-20s. He's and like, he's, he's just as springy as he was when he came into the league at 18. I honestly thought he was like 34. No, no, no. Sorry. He's just been around. Okay. So he's just in a slump then. My apologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's in the preseason, wasn't he attempting like 20 yes. field goals per 36? Yes. Like, unfortunately, we haven't seen that because uh, that was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, obviously, Dwayne Wade not playing in those games. but Jared yeah. Dudley at the five, playing the five for the, the Wizards. Dudmeister. Yeah, your thought on that considering he's <laughs> I think they 30, don't 30, 30 years old and 6'7". Yeah, I mean, they the the. The kind of inverse to that was it kept us on Whiteside off the court, and we talked about this in the office last night. I think somebody somebody was emailing our, our customer service guy and asking about, you know, what's going to happen with uh, with Jared Dudley with all these guys, these big men out, you know, Gooden's out, Nene's out, Gortat's out, uh, and I kind of jokingly said, I'm like, oh, they might have to run Dudley out at center. And I mean, when you look at it, him and Otto Porter played center for parts of this game, and you know, they wanted Dewan Blair is the only true center. Uh, on this team outside of Ryan Hollins and like they want to keep DeJuan Blair off the court at all times so 
Yeah, I mean, we did see that, and Dudley's Dudley's done this in the past. But they've He's done worked. it. But they've done it over the last couple of weeks. It's right. not like this is just an injury thing. They've well, been, we saw it they've in the playoffs with last, small ball. Right, we Paul saw it in the Pierce playoffs the last four. year. Paul Pierce at the yeah. four. Dudley's. Dudley's listed as a shooting guard, but I would I would venture to guess that he's probably played more power forward over the last two or three years uh, than shooting guard. So it worked in the fact that it kept Whiteside out of the game, and he was 7-for-7 seven for, seven for 14 points, three blocks, but he only played 23 minutes because when you do that, it you know it for, it's a mismatch on both ends, and it forces Whiteside to go out and guard a guy like Jared Dudley on the perimeter, which you don't want. Obviously, he's you know one, a step slow out there on guys like Dudley, who's not even that quick. Uh, two, he can't recover to the rim you know if, if you're Dudley Especially and you skip with John Wall. and John you're right there's you know you can't it's almost impossible to stay in front of John Wall you know with help and when you're you know when your help defender is forced to to kind of guard the perimeter because you can't leave Jared Dudley open um then that pulls him away from the basket so basically Spolster was forced to sit him out for a lot of this game and I don't know I mean it, on paper it seems like oh just leave him in and then post up Dudley every single time but I think it's a little bit you know guy when you're trying to force a mismatch like the the Wizards did, and, and it works like this, you know teams tend to give in by taking out their big men, right? I mean, teams. I think it was Zach Lowe or, or Bill Simmons. One of the two was kind of shilling for teams to try this on Gobert throughout the summer. You know, like why not just go small? I think it was Zach Lowe saying like force them to make a decision like this with Gobert, um, and you know obviously with him getting hurt and it being such a small sample size, we haven't really been able to see that yet. Um, but it, it forces you to adjust, and that's exactly what – and it worked, you know, for Washington. I think they wanted to keep Whiteside out, and Spolster kind of played into their hands. Right, and so when we were talking about the only people in the league who could who could have blocked Myers Leonard's shot, that's who – those type of players are who this uh, scheme works against, where um, your Gobert's, your, your Whiteside's, maybe – not so much DeAndre Jordan, I don't know. He, for as athletic as he is, he's not really the shot blocker that those guys are. Yeah, exactly. And so more so Whiteside, Gobert. Um, anyways, it's it's a really interesting strategy. It's not going to work against everyone, but it really did work well against the Heat considering that the you know the Wizards won by 11 points and they're kind of working their way back into the playoff consideration. I think they'll make it eventually. They've just been going through some injuries, trying to figure out themselves. Yeah, the Beal injury didn't help them. Um, you know, I mean, that goes without saying. But now that they're healthy, I think they're you know they're they're firmly in contention uh, to say the least. But yeah, Whiteside didn't play in the final 15 minutes of this game. Didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. Um, and this, I mean, this was a game that Miami led with with less than a minute left in the third. So, you know, interesting decisions, I guess, personnel decisions down the stretch. Uh, let's move on quickly to Mavs and the Knicks. Dallas 104, New York 97. Um, you know. Your typical. You, this is one of those games that I looked at the box score before we recorded, and I think my only my only real note is you know Porzingis twenty eight points, only two rebounds though, uh, two blocks. Carmelo fairly quiet, seventeen points, did have eight assists and six boards, and then Raymond Felton getting that revenge on the Knicks, fourteen points, five assists, five rebounds. He's been shockingly yeah. solid this season. Yeah, and moving into the starting lineup, of course, affords him a lot of minutes, playing 34, 34 of them. Um, I saw him already going off way over wires in a lot of my leagues. I think that you got to ride that train for the next couple weeks until it lasts and then ditch him in a couple weeks, like I said, when it's over. But as for now, I think he's a viable option in a lot of leagues. Um, Robin Lopez is a guy that has struggled to produce this season. He only ended up with 16 minutes on the court six points, two rebounds, and we're almost at the point with him 
where you can start dropping him in a lot of leagues. And I know it sounds crazy um, considering it just seemed like it was going to be a good fit. He's the guy that gets a lot of blocks, a lot of rebounds, but it's just not working out for him in fantasy land. And I think it's okay to get rid of Robin Lopez. I think I'm about to do it in a couple of leagues. I know I went heavy on him because he was he went a lot later in drafts, and it turns out I was I was somewhat wrong. I think. Uh, what do you think about that, Nick? Being or is it all right to drop Robin Lopez? I think a lot of people are. Well, faced I think Porzingis with that. is playing quite a bit of center for that. Exactly, that's kind of taken. I don't think anybody expected him to be playing exactly. thirty plus minutes. You know, and that that kind of directly it goes against what you're hoping to get from Robin Lopez. So yeah, yes. I mean, I think it's justified at this point. I think his ceiling was always relatively low, so you're not. You know, it's not like you're going to drop him and he's going to start becoming a 15 and 15 guy the next day. So yeah, relatively low upside there anyway. Um, but we got we got to get through the rest of these games. We, we took way too long on our on our All Star discussion. Uh, Toronto 102, <laughs> Lakers 93. Yeah, you know, another day for the Lakers. They did move Julius Randle and D'Angelo Russell to the bench. That oh that gosh. that ruffled a few feathers Byron. to say the least. Um, Byron, this no, I actually. I disagree with the way that Byron makes these decisions and how he justifies them. But for the first time all year, he I saw a quote after the game. I think it was Baxter Holmes uh, tweeted it out. And it was a, a quote about, or I think it was a quote. Yeah, it was a quote from um, Byron Scott basically saying, you know, I wanted him to work in the second unit. They'll have a little more freedom there, which is basically, you know, beating around the bush and saying they don't have to deal with Kobe. D'Angelo Russell basically echoed that. You know, they asked him, like, how was, how was it moving to the second unit? And neither him nor Randall seemed very thrilled about it pregame. But I think Russell, he something along the lines of basically admitting, you know, the, the ball moved more. You know, I had a little bit more freedom. And I think he even said, no offense to Kobe, but... You know, and, and and I don't think he, he certainly wasn't trying to start anything. I'm not I'm not implying well, that he's true. Um, yeah, he's but yeah, right. I think he was saying he's like you know I didn't I don't want to come off the bench, but I can all excuse me I can also play my game when I'm coming off the bench because I don't have to defer to Kobe. So even though you probably don't want to bring your two best assets off the bench when you're a rebuilding team, they firmly seem to be in the mode of this is Kobe's year, not a rebuilding year. Um, so honestly, I think it's an odd move, but I think it could be better in the long term just because these guys aren't forced to play or watch I should say hero ball when Kobe's on the court okay so can we be done with the kumbaya of of Kobe Bryant like at what point are can we be done with this like he did so much for the league blah 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 blah. he should be playing freaking 12 minutes a game coming off the bench he's the one that should move to the bench I don't care that this is farewell season you can still do all your you can give him your gifts He he got some like some, some shoes and a hat, Kobe's, and he's already said like, that he didn't want anything. Yeah, I, I laughed when I saw that quote. Yeah, I don't want any gifts. Sure, all right. As if, as if team, like you have to, you know, you have to get him something, whether he says he wants it or not. But that's beside the point. Like you said, it's not like it's not like he, he could he could be inactive for every other game. You know, pull a KG like last year, and like they would still do the ceremony for him. He doesn't have to start and like be a killer every single game yes. to put on this show. Like. It's just it's crazy. All he has to do, like you said, is come in, play his role, and fans are going to love it no matter what. Like, I'm over it. I'm just like so over it. And and we were both frustrated before he announced his retirement. This is, I mean, this announcement has really saved his butt in terms of everyone just hating him. I'm like parting shot to the NBA. Um, just everyone hates Kobe Bryant. So like he saved his own butt doing this. But I mean, the only way I'm gonna be all right with Kobe and his status this season is if he turns into the Kobe where it was a year or two ago when he just started to assist like crazy. And like he like you're like he could lead the league in assists. Why doesn't he do that? Like why doesn't he just 
I don't know. It's just so incredibly aggravating, and I'm done with the kumbaya of Kobe. Um, you know, I want to see him and see him jack up shots like he used to. No, it's like I, I don't even want to. I don't know. It's just like such a spectacle and such a whatever. I'm I'm really frustrated with it, and I think it's just if you're going to be frustrated with the 76ers for the way they've operated, then you need to be frustrated with the Lakers for putting up with this kind of spectacle for a whole entire season. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, it's been a nice distraction, though, from what's going on on the court. With oh, the, like with real team. NBA basketball right. and you people know, trying been, to win a championship yeah, and stuff? Yeah, it's been, it's been a nice way to, to cleverly disguise a, a tanking effort. So hats off to the, the Lakers front office for that. And Byron Scott, what I mean, like this dude is like unbelievably loyal to this organization and to Kobe Bryant to, to levels that I just don't understand. Like, I mean, it's getting... Things that come out of his mouth make so little sense these days, and like he, there's no accountability because he's just a figurehead to get the season over with and get through the Kobe Bryant era before you know a new era of Lakers basketball begins. And it's it's great because we're only like what a fifth, the sixth of the way into the season, so there's going to be so much more of this. Okay, so a buddy of mine, Zach Patterson, asked me this question. I thought it was incredibly poignant. What are the odds that Luke Walton is the coach of the Lakers next year? Not bad. I, I think. I've talked with James about this. He thinks that's he thinks Luke Walton's going to be the guy. I, well, wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, I mean, it, he's I, not going to stay with the Warriors next year. There's no, no reason for him to. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, I think he certainly could. It's not like they won't want him back. But yeah, I mean, he's going to be he's going to be a name. Uh, whether well, or not you think he's actually responsible for this start, I mean, he certainly hasn't taken away from it. It's the best possible launching off pad you could have as an assistant coach going into right. a like. There's no. Better, I mean, it's yeah. it's kind of a Bruce Arian situation, you know, with the Colts a few years ago. The the, the head coach gets sick but it, you know it's still his job he comes back you take the new job with a with exactly another team like so that. yeah I mean I think I think if I had to like handicap candidates I think he'd be kind of the obvious one just because of his ties to the organization three more games left we got to get through quickly uh Phoenix 103 Chicago 101 this one came down to the final possession John Luer missed a wide open corner three uh with a few seconds left but luckily uh the rebounding mongrel Mirza Toledovic rips one down, and I don't know if you've seen the highlight from this one. He was so wildly off balance, falling away. I don't even know how he got the shot up, but clanks it off the front rim and rolls it in as time expires. So a game winner for Mirza Toledovic. Um, Otherwise, not really a whole lot to see. Uh, Future all-star Derek Rose, 14 points, uh, five turnovers, um, uh, six rebounds, four assists, three steals, and also five turnovers. Well, going 7 of 18 from the field with five turnovers and 0 of 3 from beyond the arc. Also had five turnovers. Yeah, you're right. Derrick Rose, future all-star. Um, unfortunately for the Bulls, it was maybe their worst loss of the season considering they were outscored in the fourth quarter 42-24. Uh. to 24. They, Yeah, they held Phoenix to 10 points in the third quarter and 42 in the fourth yeah. quarter. I think this is up there. They allowed like 130 to the Hornets in regulation like a month ago. I think I – think, uh, the Bulls writers that I follow on Twitter kind of were comparing these two losses as the worst two. So certainly not, you know, you would never see a 42-point fourth quarter with Tibbs, you know? No. And no I think way. I think there are some good things that have certainly come of, of moving out from him, but this is one of those situations where you look at and just say there is no way that Tibbs would have let this happen. Yeah, but this, yeah, this is just one very specific scenario that you're kind of peeking at and poking holes yep. through. But um, I don't know. We we can keep moving on from this game because yep. we, we went long on things that yep. didn't matter. Clippers 110. Timberwolves 106. Uh, this was never. I mean, it was close down the stretch, but I think the Clippers were were in more control maybe uh, than it seemed a little bit late. Silly foul by Carl Towns late in this one to to put the Clippers on the line and really basically give them a chance to ice it. But the big story, Kevin Garnett with the dunk, uh, maybe the dunk of the year so far. Uh, for all things considered, 
uh, as far as age. I don't know if you've had a chance to see this one yet. Rubio on the break dropped it back to Garnett for, I mean, literally a vintage Garnett. You know, the two-foot gather kind of turned sideways, tomahawk. I mean, it, it looked straight out of 2003. I'm glad you're taking solace in a dunk considering they're not that good of a team. And no, they're not Rubio that good of a team. and Garnett are incredibly overrated and... People will fight you to the death about that Rubio comment. Um, not me, but people will. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, 3 of 15 in this one. Just 1 of 5 at the line, 1 of 4 from 3. A rough game for him offensively. Did play, uh, did play well in the defensive end from what I was able to see of this game. But you know, typical line from Blake Griffin, 16 and 11. Kind of been a double-double machine this year. Add on 5 assists. DeAndre Jordan, 20-12 and 4 blocks. Uh, did go 4 of 6 at the line, which for him is you know unbelievable. Uh, J.J. Redick. 13 points, 11 of 11 at the line for him. Kind of lived there. Chris Paul, pretty quiet. Still wonder if he's at full health. He really hasn't looked like himself the last few weeks. Just 14 points and five assists uh, in 32 minutes for him. But we'll finish out now with the Celtics and the Pelicans. Another loss for the New Orleans Pelicans. You got to wonder at what point they might consider blowing this thing up. Uh, But Isaiah Thomas, 22 points for him in 30 minutes. 20 rebounds for Jared Sullender. Yeah, and he's able to do that. If he sees enough minutes, Jared Sellinger is the guy I like the most in the Boston Celtics front court, but unfortunately just don't know what you're going to get with Brad Stevens. And so 11 points, 20 rebounds, good job on DraftKings, whoever had him. You probably won whatever league or whatever you were involved with. But the ball is spread around quite a bit. I mean, Olenek had a nice game, 21 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. So he was a viable option. DraftKings as well. Um, All around good games for everyone, and that kind of has been happening for everyone who plays the Pelicans this year. Yeah, I mean, they they had the disadvantage of playing the Warriors, I think, two of their first three games. So they got in a huge hole when you look at defensive rating and defensive metrics. And, you know, it kind of figured that that would kind of smooth itself out but it really hasn't I mean they're still at the bottom of the league in defense and you know you gotta wonder if Anthony Davis is maybe I hate to use the o word with him but a little a little bit overrated defensively you know I think we kind of anointed him as best big man scorer best big man defender best big man shot blocker and it's like he's he's good at uh, he's very good defense we had three blocks two steals in this one I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight that at all I just think that I think maybe they were counting on him a little bit more or expecting too much of him to just kind of be the save all on defense and obviously they've had injuries that have that have hurt them a lot I mean Tyreek Evans is an underrated defender just isn't in his ability to guard three spots so things like that have limited them but I think Anthony Davis hasn't quite been the dominant dominant shutdown rim protector that they thought he might be well we're always so quick to anoint the best the next best one in the NBA and we did that coming into this season with Anthony Davis and so I mean, he's still a young NBA player who's going to be really good. He's going to be one of the best NBA players for the next maybe 10 years. But to say that he's going to put the team on his back and, and carry them to the playoffs is is obviously unfair at this point. So uh, we can move on to some of this fun mm-hmm. we're going to have at the end of the pod, I guess, that we didn't even tease at the beginning. No, the trivia? The trivia. Yeah, I had I actually spent a ton of time this morning compiling gonna- all these fake trades, but we're going to save those. Uh, for, for the next podcast just because you know a lot of games to break down and obviously we got a little sidetracked but I think we can fill a whole podcast on hypothetical trades and maybe that'll be even more appropriate uh, the closer we get to the deadline sure. so we'll skip those uh, but we'll go right to trivia you know try to make this maybe a little bit of a, an end of pod uh, an end of pod tradition so you you quiz me on a few 
uh, last week. So it's my turn now to ask you. I have I have five questions and a bonus question. So basically six questions. I don't know why I just felt the need to label that one a bonus. Thank you. Um, you know, if you're listening, we'll, we'll try to pause a little bit. You know, these oh, aren't, these I will pause because I really right. don't want to look stupid like right. I have in the past. Yeah, exactly. And these certainly aren't easy questions, but they're also not impossible ones. So, you know, if you kind of want to play along, there should be time for that as we you know, as we think them through. But obviously, I know the answers to these, so I'm not going to reveal them unless necessary. First question I wanted to ask, and these are just going to be kind of, some of them will be topical as far as what's going on right now. Some of them will be historical, kind of jumping around. But we'll start with one uh, that is topical. Number one in the league in offensive rating, who is it? We're talking among qualified players, which I set as minimum of 400 minutes played. So number one offensive rated player right now. Like the highest offensive rating. I will say Kawhi Leonard. It is not Kawhi Leonard. It is a player uh, who plays on the West Coast. It is this is definitely the toughest of all of these. I think this is. I was shocked. Oh, Iguodala. No, okay. no, not Iguodala. Uh, player of similar caliber, though. I guess you know, definitely not a star. A guy who hasn't even started part of the season. Similar caliber on the West Coast. Are we talking California or not? California? We're talking not California. Okay, so that leaves like. What one team? <laughs> um, well, we've got Phoenix, Utah. Think high Portland. percentage shots. You know, do, you know, always around the rim. Not going to be jacking up threes. Doesn't turn it over. Mason Plumley, same team. Okay, uh, Alfaro Camino, close. Oh my gosh, Ed Davis. Ed Davis, what one thirty offensive rating, just above Steph Curry at one twenty eight. And Davis has played over five hundred minutes, so this okay. isn't just a crazy so weird sample size. That's a really good guess with Iguodala, though, because he's third behind Curry. He's at one twenty seven, obviously Thank playing you. alongside Curry. You know, Bogut's right up there too. So basically, that that starting lineup is kind of all in that range. It um, doesn't surprise me in that. Um, unless Ed Davis gets an open shot, they're just going to throw it to McCollum or Lillard for an, a crazy contested three. So unless uh-huh. he's wide open or has like good inside position, that somewhat makes sense to me. But but the other thing with offensive rating is like it's not just how you play, you know. Oh, it's that's how you. It's, it's the whole the whole lineup. It's, so like whenever Ed Davis is on the court, they're scoring 128 points per possession. So wow. it's still early enough in the season that maybe it's just kind of fluky, and it kind of has to be, I guess, if he's number one. Where we're he a just, quarter of the way through the right, year, right? He just happens to be on the court when they go on these runs or something. But uh, yeah, so Ed Davis, number one in the league in offensive oh, rating. Got to keep an eye on that. Next question. Who leads the NBA in two-pointers made per game with nine and a half two-pointers? DeRozan? No. Drummond? No. It is, it is a, a forward, but it's not Drummond. Um, Cousins? Nope. He's been taking a lot of threes. How many yes. times are you going to let me guess? Made two-pointers per made, game. Made. Drummond is number six. Cousins is way down at 14. DeRozan is 13. Westbrook? Oh, wait, you said He's it was number forward. five. Okay. Somebody's just this player yelling is making, at their phone right yeah, now. Yeah, this player is making almost one per game more than anyone else. Big-time star player. Paul George? No, Western Conference. Western Conference. Not Davis. I love the dead air. Love the dead air. Um not Davis, Blake Griffin. It's Blake Griffin, okay. nine and a half made two pointers. That makes per sense because he attempts the most college threes in the NBA. Right. I think he's well. Yeah, he's he's working a lot in the mid range and he's not shooting as many threes this year. Okay, uh, so nine and a half a game. LeBron's number two, Davis three, Brooke Lopez four, uh, and Russell Westbrook five. 
James Harden leads the league by far right now with 245 free throw attempts. Which Eastern Conference shooting guard ranks second in the league with 177 attempts? Hmm. Eastern Conference shooting guard. Somebody who drives to the hole a lot because obviously that's where you get fouled the most. Just takes a ton of threes and gets fouled on them all. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, definitely not a player who takes a lot of threes. Um, A couple guesses, I guess I would say Jimmy Butler. No, that's a good guess. Um, Dwayne Wade. He's number 16. Dwayne Wade. Wade, no. Wade is, I don't even know where he is on this list. No, but he's not the answer. Um. Alec Burks, or no Eastern, West, Conference. Eastern Conference? Sorry, I always have the jazz I'm, I'm on my mind. I'm very surprised. I mean, this is a guy who's you know he draws fouls, but this I mean second in the league. I, I don't think I would have expected. I think he was in the top twenty last year, but he wasn't nearly this high. All right, you're just gonna have to tell it to me. But what about Avery Bradley? Demar Derozan. What? He's attempted only 32 threes. Harden's attempted 181 threes. Um, but yeah, 177 free throw attempts. So Harden's number one with 245. Then Derozan. Then DeAndre then Russell Westbrook, and then Drummond rounding out the top five. Nice. All right, All right, this one should be hopefully a little quicker, not stat-based. Who's the youngest player in the league right now? Um, the guy out in Phoenix, who I can't remember his name right now. It is Devin Booker. Devin Booker is the youngest player in the league. All right, alma maters. You t- I tell you the player, you tell me where they played college ball. Oh, I, I did, love I, this. What I did is I just went through, like there's literally a master list of players on basketball reference, and I just – Close my eyes and scan through and pick these out. So okay. these are just completely these random are, guys. I see your list here. This is gonna be tough. Usually I'm really good at this, but this I don't know. We'll just I'll just give one guess on these, and you'll have to tell me the right answer. Okay, unless you specify that you want another guess, then I'll okay. allow it. Thanks. Number one, Trevor Ariza. Villanova, UCLA. Wow, I didn't know that. CJ McCollum. Oh, Vanderbilt. Lehigh. Oh, Lehigh. Vanderbilt is the guy for Dallas. Um, or not Lehigh, Vanderbilt. Um, what's his name? John Jenkins. Right. Anyways, I get them confused sometimes. Festus Azili. These are, these are hard. I, I This is making me mad because I'm really good at this, this type of game. This one's going to make me really mad, yeah, because it's Vanderbilt. It's Van- um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, of course you brought that up right before that one. Uh, Jared Dudley. Oh, wow. We're going way back now. Yeah, and I will say I sort, when I did this list, I sorted them by age because it's way too easy if we're just picking guys who were drafted like last year. Yeah. So these are guys, you know, most of these guys are a little up, you know, upper 20s, early 30s. Arizona? Complete opposite side of the country. Boston College. Oh, that's right. Big-time college player. Wow. Back when he had the, the, the cornrows and the headband. Man, Good times. You, it was only a matter of time before I looked stupid. <laughs> Mo Williams. Going way back. Um... Alabama. Alabama. Nice. Jamal Crawford. This is a tough one. This is just this is one that I always that always was tough to remember, you know, when you're when you're thinking about these things, which you know, people are always just thinking about where NBA players went to college. My guesses are gonna just seem so stupid. NC State? <laughs> he seems like an NC State guy, doesn't even know. Michigan. Michigan. What? Yep. Oh, that's right. Right? Isn't doesn't he not yeah. seem like? And no, always like he Z- does not seem like, like Zebo going to Michigan State always seems weird to me too. Like yeah. I don't know why, but um, David West will finish out with David West. Great questions, by the way. Um, <laughs> Texas Tech. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, you know, we, 
We went, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four. <sighs> this really five, makes me bad. One for seven. That's not bad. He went to Xavier. Okay. Uh, Nick, we He's might got go the big to. X tattoo on the, on the bicep. Nick, we're going to start going to some NBA games, or we're talking about it. And let's just play this game the whole road trip there. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I can do alma maters all day. I love doing these. Bonus question since okay. he did so well on the alma maters. <laughs> Congratulations. Michael Jordan holds the record for the highest career usage rate, 33.3%. Which active player ranks second in career usage rate at 32.06%? And it's not Kobe Bryant, although he does hold the record for highest single season usage rate at 38.8, which was the the 81 point year, as I'm sure we all remember fondly. Um, what all does usage rate entail? I'm not entirely ball handling shots attempted. Do we know the exact metric on usage rate? Yes, uh, I have I can, a guess. I can get you, I can get you a definition uh, on that officially if you'd like. That's probably a good idea to clarify. While you're doing uh, if you this, buy yourself some time here. Yeah, feel free to jump on rotowire.com. Check it out for ten free days. We have lots of daily content you can check out. Just go to rotowire.com forward slash pod. In addition to all of our player notes, ten free days, people. They're out there if you want them. Rotowire.com forward slash pod. The definition of usage rate is. Well, Basketball Reference defines it as an estimate of the percentage of teams' plays used by a player while he was on the floor. So I'll say Rajon Rondo. No, 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 no. No? No. Highest career usage rate. I thought that was a good guess, but whatever. Um, well, I mean, it, it takes into account more of, like, scoring. I think his weight a little bit heavier. Okay. Heavily. Well, I mean, so like, like ball, ball handling, touch, ball handling. Right. Rondo is, is a, a good right. guess if I'm going to pat myself on the back. Right. Um, Chris Paul? No. It's a shooting guard. So you got to think somebody who, you know, had kind of been the man for his entire career. You know, one, one year of sitting the bench can kill your career usage rate. Well, you've got, obviously you got Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade. Okay. Second highest career usage rate in NBA history. And obviously that could still go up or down, I guess. Yeah. Um, I suppose like his, his buddies have came and went where you had Shaq and you mm-hmm. had LeBron, but he's remained steady as still being a major piece. And his usage rate went down quite a bit when LeBron was there too. I think but when he, he, I mean, he was the reason why they won their first championship. Right. Like everything went through him. So that the yep. career usage rate makes sense. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yep. And obviously that skyrocketed during the, you know, the Shaq years. He was always the man there as well Russell Westbrook last season usage rate of 38.37 uh, was the second highest single season usage ever so just a few percentage points behind Kobe Bryant so the more Katie's you know injury yeah the more you know <laughs> um so yeah I mean lastly before we head out that'll be that'll be the end of the pod so um you know if you want to hear about DraftKings we can talk a little bit about that you can be part of the action all season long at DraftKings.com the official daily fantasy partner of Rotowire for daily fantasy. You don't need to spend months micromanaging a roster. You can play whenever you want. You can pick a new team every time you play. You can challenge your friends, like we were talking about earlier, in custom leagues to prove you are the superior GM. Or you can square off against basketball fans around the country. Obviously, there are a ton of big contests like that on DraftKings every night where you can play with tens of thousands of people. And you know, if you finish near the top, obviously you have a big chance uh, taking home quite a bit of cash. So go to DraftKings.com now. Enter that promo code ROTOHOOPS. That'll let you play free with your first deposit. DraftKings, again, the official partner of Rotowire. That's promo code ROTOHOOPS at DraftKings.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.